I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here with the author of 15 books and the subject of a documentary. And I'll tell you what, she has not missed a beat, even with COVID and everything else. Uh, at, uh, at 87 years young, how about that? 87 years young, uh, hosting her own radio podcast show, uh, and it's on 125 different outlets. Whatever one you are hearing it on now is fine with us, but uh, what an amazing woman. And she's got her uh, her autobiography, her memoir, uh, in the works, and all kinds of great things going on. Florence Weinberg, how are you? I'm fine, especially after such a flattering introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Flat, flattering? No, I mean that's that's an accurate introduction. I don't think there's a lot of hyperbole. You, honestly, you've you've uh, you've handled the pandemic as well as anyone else could. And again, I don't want to make 87 sound old, but I mean, it's, you know, years ago, years ago, 87 would have been uh, decrepit and, and right. you know, just uh, unthinkable. Uh, um, you had parents, right, that lived, not your dad, but your mom lived fairly long? Yes, she, was, she died at 96. So oh, wow. um, if I take after her, as I do in many ways, uh, then I have a few years, maybe, uh, ahead of me, if well, I'm lucky. Listen, technology and medicine has been much better. I, I, my bet is that you're well past 100, that you go well past 100, and, and, and it's a healthy 100. <laughs> anyway, what have, uh, what have you been concentrating on? Well, I've got two strings to my bow this time. I want to talk about Beto O'Rourke. Uh, as a, a prospect for the governor of Texas, and uh, that is a rather quick uh, subject uh, yeah. uh, assessment of the situation. And then I want to talk about the health inquiry into the plastics industry um, that uh, is poisoning the planet, actually. Uh, and so that that probably will take care of the hour uh, <clears throat> added, added to Beto O'Rourke and his um, not his ambitions because he so far has not said he's interested in running for governor, uh, but his potentiality. Yeah, I've got to say Beto O'Rourke has made believers out of a lot of folks around the country that never thought that a Democrat could. Uh, could win in Texas. And, you know, you said to me offline that Ann Richards was the last one to win statewide, and she was an amazing woman, and I think she would have she would have been uh, a, a shoo-in for her second term uh, if she had lived and cancer didn't take her. But Beto, out of, uh, out of nowhere, uh, there was a Ted Cruz race, and I, I, I think that was a big surprise. It was, at least watching here in New York, it was a real surprise that Ted... Uh, Ted Cruz was kind of fighting for his career. Yes, he was. Abbott, Governor Abbott said, uh, and he was quoted in the Dallas Morning News, that Beto almost beat Ted Cruz. He came within two points because, and he attributed it to his ability to raise money. He raised $80 million with his political action committee, which is Amazing. called Powered by the People. And uh, I contributed back then because I really thought he would make a, a, a good senator. And uh, 
uh, and sure enough, he made $80 million with these small contri- uh, contributions. I contributed things like maybe $10, $5, $15 now and then. And uh, he accumulated all that and, of course, spent it. Amazing. But unfortunately, he didn't quite make it. He came very, very close. And Abbott is uh, recognizing that he is a danger thanks to his ability to raise money. Amazing. Yeah, just an amazing uh, uh, performance by him. And he, uh, I don't know, he, he turned the world upside down for for a short period of time there. And yeah. But maybe his longer impact is the fact that this is becoming... Uh, it's becoming a a thought, and and it gets past the chuckle test, it gets past the giggle test. That that uh, Texas is in play. I, I don't think Trump won it as big as he won it the first time, right? He didn't win Texas. How big did he win Texas? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't um, oh, I don't have those statistics. Yeah. But right but now. it wasn't it wasn't tremendous. It wasn't 20 points or anything like that. It was uh, it was much closer. Uh, it, it, it was, was much closer. Yeah, yeah. I and I give credit to Beto O'Rourke, kind of paving the yes, way. Yes, exactly. The uh, the echoes of Beto uh, undoubtedly uh, moved uh, voters to vote re- uh, a Democratic, and so uh, Trump. Uh, Trump didn't triumph the way he uh, thought he should in Texas, but right now it's the um, the publicity of the uh, legislators who walked out to prevent the bill restricting uh, voting here in Texas. Um, they have given publicity again to Beto O'Rourke, who was on uh, MSNBC on the Rachel Maddow show last week. And uh, gave a very impassioned and lovely speech on behalf of those uh, those uh, Democratic legislators and their goals to preserve the uh, the right to vote here in Texas. And uh, he has already sent them. He has uh, he has gathered six hundred thousand uh, dollars so far with his powered by the People Action Committee and has sent it to them to help maintain them in Washington, which is a very expensive proposition. And so it's sort of a mutual help society there between those legislators who are dependent uh, on people like Beto O'Rourke to uh, to help them out. And, uh, and vice versa, they are helping him <laughs> by, by praising him to... Uh, to Washington bigwigs and and legislators there, so um, both are both are benefiting. Now there uh, there is going to be a run for the governorship coming up. In fact, the primary is next March, and so far there is no Democratic candidate at all. There are two fairly decent Republican opponents who are, will be running against Governor Abbott. Uh, one of them is Alan West, mm. who was a Florida representative in the uh, in Congress, in the national uh, representative for uh, for Florida. And then there is Don Huffings, 
who was a uh, Democratic, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, he was a representative um, uh, in the uh, Texas legislature. No, he was a senator, I'm sorry, in mm -hmm. the Texas state legislature. So both of them are f fairly well known, especially in Texas, but Alan West is known in Florida as well, of course. And I think the name Alan West may be familiar to more people than uh, than I'm aware of. Yeah, I've heard of Alan uh, West. Yeah, I never, yeah. I never connected him to Texas, though. Yeah, right, right. And uh, he's just sort of swooped in and decided he's going to uh, run against uh, Abbott. And I think he may have the name recognition, but the one who has the name recognition in Texas is Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. And so I think uh, people, a lot of people, uh, are pulling for him, especially those legislators who are now in Washington, uh, are pulling for him to run for governor. Uh, and he simply hasn't declared one way or another. He hasn't shown any interest in uh, the governorship. But I think if Texas became uh, a democratic state under Beto O'Rourke, uh, there would be a tr it would uh, influence national politics in a big way. What do you think, Frank? Uh, no question about it. And you know, I, I'll tell you the way. To, uh, thinking, thinking like a third party guy, the the way you do that is. Um, is you get one of those angry Republicans not to run as a not to run as a Republican in the primary, or if they can do it and, and then run it, but run as an independent, like a right to life candidate or a conservative candidate, and um, and and run against Abbott there and pull some votes away from uh, you know from people that would never vote for Beto, but uh, would would fall back to to Abbott uh, if there were no other choices. So you give them a third choice. And if that guy gets two or three percent of the vote, you know, there you go, Beto. Beto, uh, that's probably all he needs against Abbott is uh, is to, is is to get a um, get a, a third candidate in there. It's very hard in Texas to to do that, but if that ever happened, if that would ever happen, it would change the dynamics of the whole country. If Texas yeah. had Beto O'Rourke in the in the governor's mansion, um, I, I, I'll tell you, it's just. By, by the way, if Beto O'Rourke would have won, uh, the whole country would have been changed dramatically. We're, we're yeah. at a tie where Joe Manchin is making decisions for for the rest of the world. If Beto O'Rourke would have won, it, Manchin's vote would be basically irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. How true. How sad. Yeah. <laughs> right. But Beto is, yeah. Beto is a player. You know, it's, um, you know, look. Uh, Beto is a player, and if he would have won, it would have changed uh, changed the world. Certainly now, if he wins the governorship, mm -hmm. Texas is in play, and you'll see money flowing to you'll see Democratic money flowing to Texas because they, you know, people with a lot of money like to like winners or they like possibilities of win winners. So, yes. you know, you'll see the big guys start, and big guys and gals, I should say, start throwing dollars into Texas into right. Democratic. Right, and I think I think uh, the problem is Beto has his his eyes glued on Washington. He wants to be up there in one way or another. Yeah. But I think he would influence Washington very heavily if he were governor of this big state here uh, with its huge population. 
much more than he may may realize. Uh, because, for instance, Ann Richards, when she was governor of Texas, certainly had a big pull in the country. Everybody seemed to love Ann Richards because she was such a wit and uh, and so very very brilliant. And uh, it's a tragedy that she got cancer and died um, before she could uh, win her second term. And uh, anyway, so I think uh, Beto should think twice, or more than twice, about uh, running for governor. And that's about all I have to say about Beto. Um, uh, unless you have some more to say, well, just um, I, I echo what you say. I mean, it's uh, we'll we're in wait and see uh, pattern. We're in a holding pattern until Beto yeah. decides what he's going to do. But I'll tell you what, it will be it will be earth shattering news if he says, "Yeah, I'm going to run for governor," and you know Abbott hopes to heck that he doesn't <laughs> that he doesn't run for governor. I mean, that's a real race, and um, you know what he hopes. Abbott, just the last final thought on this is that uh, is that Beto floats it out there for a little while. It'll help Abbott with money, you know, raise money mm-hmm. if they think they they got to hold on to the uh, onto the, the the governor's mansion. They'll uh, they'll start throwing some Republican money. If you had just a uh, wallflower up against them or a uh, warm body up against uh, Abbott, you might not see a lot of money come his way. So uh, Abbott's best uh, best situation is that. Ab- uh, that Beto doesn't run, but that he floats his name for a little while about being a potential candidate so he can raise raise some money. But, yeah, that being said, we're in a holding pattern. It's up to Beto at this point. Yes, we are. And, of course, um, Abbott has gone totally Trump. Uh, this business of using state money to build the wall uh, across uh, some, you know, the southern Texas border uh, is an example of playing to Trump's base and hoping that he can win again using Trump's base. Uh, and I'm just wondering whether uh, Trump's base is strong enough and will be strong enough by March uh, for for this to come to fruition the way he wants it to, uh, or whether uh, other, other forces will have mustered by then. And, of course, if Beto runs, uh, other forces will certainly be in play. Uh, so that's, uh, I, I think betting betting on the, the Trump card may be uh, a bad policy by now. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, you, you mentioned plastics off, uh, 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 off mic, and then you, you, you brought it up here. It is, a, it is a serious issue, and it's a serious problem. It is extremely serious, and I'll, I'll uh, tell you why. Uh, there is a certain type of fluoride. Now, fluoride has been uh, added to our water supply here in uh, San Antonio and to the water supplies across the country um, to ward off tooth decay. A lot of people think that fluoride is poison, and there are various types of fluoride, and uh, people maintain staunchly that the type that we are drinking in our our, uh, water daily uh, is not poison, is not harmful, but beneficial. However, there are other types, and they are called PFAS or PFOAs. And that, if you spell that out, it's perfluor, perfluoro, 
perfluoroalkyl. <laughs> Excuse me for yeah. stumbling over this. Well, that's a tough one. Eh? I have to spell it out for myself. And polyfluoroalkyl. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Alkyl. Uh, alkali, in other words. Uh, so those are two poisonous versions of fluoride that are in the entire environment. They have found it in the tissues of birds and animals in the Arctic and, and Antarctic. So polar bears are carrying this poison in their tissues. And how it got there at the ends of the earth, quite literally the ends of the earth, is a mystery to everybody. However, when you think that stuff, uh, plastics are being uh, taken out on barges and simply dumped in the oceans, uh, it's no mystery to me that it has gotten that far, carried by uh, the, the uh, dominant currents uh, that uh, that keep the, the oceans um, in movement constantly. Uh, and, of course, they deposit plastics wherever they flow. And hence, anything that eats or even associates with, lies down among, or any other way, uh, these plastics that contain poisons, these, these PFAs and PFOAs, um, are, uh, are going to pick it up, and then it, it persists because it does not break down. So... Um, it is produced when plastics are subjected to fluorination. And the reason plastics, normal, uh, everyday, uh, harmless plastics, are subjected to fluorination is in order that they become more rigid and impermeable. And this applies in particular to water bottles. Mm. And I think that's why we've been warned not to leave uh, bottled water in a car when you uh, park and then come back and drink it because uh, if the car has been in the sun uh, the uh, uh, the plastic poison has leaked into and combined with the water and so you have drunk some PFAs or PFOAs mm. with the water. Do you, do you know I and heard, not to cut you off, but I heard a I heard a fact once, I don't know if it's a fact, I, I heard a uh, somebody stated it as a fact, that if you took all the plastic, and now I don't know how thin it would be, but if you took all the plastic that uh, currently resides in the oceans and you yeah. put it all together, it would be larger than the state of, guess what, Texas. And I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> As a, uh, I'm not surprised. I was going to uh, touch on that uh, because I had personal experience in the 1970s yet. Wow. In Portugal yet uh, with, the, uh, with plastic in the ocean. And I'll talk, talk to you about it a little later. Please, but, uh, I, but since then, tons and tons, uncounted uh, tons, uncountable tons have been dumped in the ocean as if the ocean were a garbage dump that could absorb everything and uh, and purify it. Uh, Amazing. And people are insane. They, out of sight, out, out of mind is what the principle is there. And it's killing the planet. There's no question about it. But to go on, um, so in order to make 
uh, normal plastic more rigid and impermeable. In other words, it uh, wouldn't leak whatever you put into it. Uh, you add this poison to it. <laughs> you fluoridate it. And, oh and the, uh, the combination, the chemical combination, when you do that, uh, produces PFAs and PFOAs. And so some of the items that have PFAs uh, are waterproofing in clothing, such as raincoats and rain jackets. Mm. They, they exude um, PFAs. And um, plastic, plastic wrap for meat. So the meat wow. you buy under those shiny, beautiful plastic uh, covers, uh, wraps, uh, has PFAs in it. Pizza boxes <laughs> have PFAs of all wow. things. Um, let's see, cosmetics, of course. Uh, cosmetics are a source of all kinds of poisons, and PFAs is one of them. That, that women are spreading on their faces and and chests and arms and so on. And um, modern cookware, uh, the nonstick uh, uh, frying pan, I have one of them, that is one of my favorites because I don't have to struggle to clean it. Uh, everything just slides off. And so do the PFAs slide oh. off right into my my uh, food as, oh, as I cook it. And uh, let's see what else. Um, oh yes, the foam in fire extinguishers is prop is uh, heavily laced with PFAs. So uh, it's in a lot of things, yeah. uh, and uh, and it has managed to spread around the globe without exception. It's in a lot of oh. things that it probably shouldn't be in. Is you know the the oh. nonstick uh, cooking pans uh, scare me because I love them. I love right. to cook with them and you know, yes. pizza boxes. I mean that's that's unbelievable. Yes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. Un, uh, it's very sad. Um, now uh, it, it it causes. Here are a few things that you can uh, expect to have, and we are. We, as human beings, are increasingly suffering from these things. Cancer, for one thing, of course. And birth defects. And organ failures. And um, uh, I think that's, that's, that's enough. So your heart may fail because of the PFAs or your liver or your uh, gallbladder or just about any other organ can fail thanks to being poisoned and the baby uh, in in the mother's womb can be injured uh, ir irreparably by such poisons wow. and there are on tv i have noticed recently there are warnings uh, about um roundup which is a poison herbal poison if you want to get a, get rid of weeds in your driveway, you go and you buy a can of Roundup, which has a little squirt um, uh, device, and you can spray the, the weed, and it will certainly die. But then you, too, might get cancer from it, especially if you're the salesperson for Roundup. Wow. 
and uh, the, the ads that I have seen over and over um, on TV uh, tell you to call um, call your uh, your physician immediately if you have handled Roundup and are having uh, problems, uh, skin cancers and all kinds of other problems. Uh, so uh, also, uh, I think the warning about not drinking water that's been staying in, uh, that's been standing in, in plastic bottles in a, a sunny, a sun-drenched car, I think uh, that's also actually a warning against PFAs. So I got to clear it um, out. I'm I'm going to clear my car out now. I got bottles. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, and <laughs> and be very careful about that. Uh, I uh, after I have heard those uh, warnings, I have done the same thing. I have never left any water bottle uh, in a car uh, when I park it, uh, because uh, anything that sits in the car and it heats up uh, is going to uh, to shed poison into the water. Amazing. So I was going to tell you about the personal experience. Yeah, please, in Portugal. Uh, with plastic. In Portugal. Uh, pardon me, in Portugal, yeah. yeah. Uh, my husband was in Portugal just before the Spanish Civil War broke out. Uh, he was uh, 20 years older than I am, and so he would be 100 and, uh, uh, 108, actually. He was, tw- he was uh, 41, and I was... Uh, for he was 42, and I was 21 when I married him in 1955. Um, anyway, this is before everybody I'm speaking to was born, I expect. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, he had been there in Portugal. And he was teaching French, and if they wanted to learn German, because he was a German Jew, uh, he could obviously teach them German and uh, and the finest German, because he was from Hanover, where they speak the, uh, the best high German, but he also spoke perfect Parisian French, and uh, very, a very learned man even at that point. I think he was probably in his 20s at, uh, at that point. In any case, he got tangled up with Salazar, who was the dictator, because he was sending back newspaper dispatches to Paris because he was writing for Die Zukunft, which was German language paper for uh, Jewish refugees in Paris, talking about the heavy luggage that was, was being brought through Oporto, uh, which is the, one of the major cities on the coast of Portugal, uh, and that was crossing uh, through Portugal into Spain. Uh, heavy luggage like personnel carriers ammunition and yeah. so forth and he was arrested by Salazar's secret police uh, and wow. barely escaped with his life uh, and he um, in, so that was in the 30s so it was probably 35 or so and in uh, maybe a little later 37 possibly I don't quite remember when the Spanish Civil War began I think maybe 36 in any case um he wanted to go back to Oporto because he was very fond of the city. And so he took me, I think it was about 1973 or so, 
Um, and the two of us uh, were in Europe for other reasons, but uh, we decided we would visit Portugal, which we did, enjoyed it very much. The cooking in Portugal is uh, not terribly famous, but it's amazingly good. And uh, we took a little trip north along the sea coast, and that is, of course, the Atlantic, uh, and got out in one of the towns that he used to love very much because it had such wonderful beaches. And so we had the lunch in town, and then we strolled out along the beach. We were horrified because uh, it was like tears of plastic rubble, plastic waste. Where the tide came in, it would leave uh, an undulating row of plastic waste of all kinds, and then it would the tide would ebb, it would go out and leave all that stuff behind, and then the next tide might not come far as far up, and so maybe five feet down from that undulating line of garbage plastic uh, would be another one and another one and so the entire beach was a garbage dump of plastic and they came from all the countries in uh, around Europe and from the United States of course so there were coke plastic coke bottles uh, Pepsi Royal Crown <laughs> Um, wow. Orange, orange uh, Crush, uh, all the brands you could uh, think of were represented there, along with uh, other plastic, all kinds of other plastics that originated with us. And uh, and there were Chinese. There was some Chinese plastic already in, in intermingled, buying from China. And so there it was. The beach was totally spoiled and covered with the stuff and uh, uh, we remarked to each other at the time if you put all this stuff together it would probably you could build a skyscraper the size of uh, the Empire State Building at least uh, with it and uh, I was deeply shocked but that was 1973 and we have continued and increased our dumping of plastic since then I can't imagine what that beast, what that beach must be like by now. Wow, amazing! You know the Chinese plastic. I would think that that it would be even worse than the uh, than the American plastic, but maybe that's just by my, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. by now, definitely. Amazing! Just uh, what what an amazing uh, situation that we're in, and for you to have noticed it back then, in the seventies. And uh, again, I, I would think that I would think there'd be very little, very little um, uh, government regulation on plastics back then. Oh yeah, there was nothing. Uh, nobody was concerned with it. Everybody thought plastic was the answer to everything, and that everything should be made out of it because it was durable and was uh, and would certainly not perish um, or degrade, which is. Which is, of course, it's it's Achilles' heel, really, uh, because it persists forever. Uh, and, and probably the fish who are eating it and uh, and dying uh, have not been able to digest it, so it just passes through them. 
and among the bones of that dead fish, you will find the un, undisturbed plastic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a testament to human ingenuity and human foolishness at the same time, ignorance. Wasn't well, say, look, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable what we're going through, and we know so much now. Maybe we know we don't know as much as we, we think we know, but we know so much now. You would think that this would be solved a long time ago. I mean, we like, I, I like to consider myself an environmentalist. I, I, uh, I'm big on on recycling. I'm big on uh, anything, you know, any, anything that you've uh, that you could think of. That is supposed to be bad for the environment. I stay away from anything that is uh, that is supposed to be good for the environment. I try to encourage or whatever. And, right. and I don't want to sound holier than now, but I think as a you know as, as a resident of the planet, I think we're yeah. uh, uh, we're we're responsible to to hand it off to the next generation. I, I always yeah. uh, I, I tease. I used to tease my kids when they would. When they throw out a plastic bottle, I'd say, "Oh, oh, that's fine. We we have plenty inhabitable uh, planets to uh, choose from. Uh, we don't need that." You know, I would joke around, you know, say <laughs> to try to make my point, you know. And they always remind me of that. They said, "Oh, you know, we 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 may one day, Dad, have a uh, have another inhabitable planet. You know, you never know with Elon Musk and you know all those all those folks. Maybe we'll have another." Yeah, I said, but still, in the meanwhile, let's try to keep this one. Let's try to keep this one pretty good. We do need to keep this one. The others are not blue planets, are they? No. They are red planets, uh, <laughs> or right. they're simply uh, uh, nondescript, uh, reflecting the light back, like Venus, which is a cauldron, apparently, of, of uh, sulfuric acid. Uh, so <laughs> we don't have any refuge. I mean, Mars, Mars may be something, but it's a, it's a total desert. Uh, so no plants, no animals that we know of. Yeah, right. Uh, so thinking that we can take refuge there if we ruin our own planet is a pipe dream. Yeah, no, or a nightmare. No doubt, no doubt about. It. Let Let me ask you something, and and you got to pardon my ignorance on this. Uh, historically, people have said Asia was terrible with the environment, and uh, there were you know the Japan. And you know, even going after whale, like the whaling industry was uh, was terrible over in Asia, and they were going after these beautiful creatures for for food and for you know all kinds of uh, you know the um, you know the fat and the uh, the blubber and all of that for different things and the ivory and uh, different things that could have been involved with with whales. But I always I always thought, and hopefully it's not you know some built-in prejudice because i have none against asia but that asia has been terrible on the environment do we know that to still be true are they getting better are they uh, i think china is uh, china is ahead of us in uh, uh in solar energy oh well that's in great converting to solar energy uh, because it's a dictatorship, and yeah. uh, they can simply order it to be done, and it's done. Um, whereas we have to uh, 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 elect a Democrat. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> to say that, Frank, but <laughs> we have to elect a Democrat in order to make any progress as far as environmental protection is concerned. And so it's a spotty business because a state like Texas doesn't do anything officially for it. 
uh, industry itself is doing a lot in Texas about solar energy and wind industry, but there's nothing coming from the uh, from the state government uh, to help that along. I- and that's true with uh, maybe 40 out of the states uh, right now that are leaning that are Republican or leaning that way. You know, um, I've got to say, I, I think our low point, um, or my most depressing point, was when Scott Pruitt was appointed by President Trump to be the head of the EPA. And this was a man who, who didn't believe in uh, global warming or, or mm-hmm. climate change. And right. I, I just, uh, you know, to me, that was, that was a, a, a current low point <laughs> of our environmental hopes. And if, you know, if such a man is in charge of the EPA, uh, what kind of trouble could we have been in? But uh, again, we're, we're, we have brighter days ahead of us now. And there's no Scott Pruitt, Pruitt to be. You remember him, Scott Pruitt? Um, yes, I do remember him. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, thank God. Thank God uh, Trump lost the election. Um and by a sufficient amount, but uh, but it wasn't an overwhelming uh, victory for the Democrats. Uh, and that is what uh, is so sad, because if Trump had won, we really would have been in trouble as far as uh, our relations with other countries, are, right? our international relations, uh, our, uh, our stance uh, toward the environment. Um, mail services, which are still in trouble because Mr. DeJoy is still in charge, uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, uh, we're very lucky that, uh, that Biden won and won fairly. But uh, the surprise was that it was not a landslide for for Biden. Seventy-one million people wanted wanted Trump back. Yeah, yes, it's, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's uh, you could I I could only uh, I can only deal and I tell this to, uh, you know, to people, uh, I can only deal with what is I can uh, you know, we can't deal with what ought to be. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we can't. But uh, I think look, I think we're on a good track. I think we're on a good track. I think we're moving in the right direction. And if Mitch McConnell will cooperate and not try to. Um, you know, stonewall everything that that the president, the new president, is is uh, putting forward. Um, you know, maybe we can get somewhere. But I I don't know how much faith I have in Mitch McConnell. I have none. Uh, I think Mitch is so blinded by power uh, hunger that uh, that he will continue what he did to Obama, namely block. Everything, whether the Republicans thought of it first or whether the Democrats thought of it, if it is proposed by, um, if it was proposed by Obama, he would oppose it. And the same thing if Biden uh, proposes something that was originally a a Republican idea, he will block it. Without (laughs) shame, by the way. Biden doesn't get the credit for it. Without shame and without Uh, apology. That's going to continue because uh, he is. He's totally blind in that regard. You know, I I, is. I was just saying, without shame, he'll block it, and without apology. That's right. 
That's right. And the other odd thing about this situation we have is that the Republicans have no spine at all. Um, whatever he tells them to do, they do, like a bunch of sheep. Including and, Romney, uh, who I had a lot of hope for. You know, Romney yeah. has followed right along. On the whole, he has, yeah. I think he's just tired of being the only one and also being uh, bombarded by disapproval by the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, it must be really hard to be the uh, the big rhino, the Republican yeah. in name only, as they uh, call him, uh, in the group. Yeah. Well, there are a couple more, but... Uh, Mikowski yeah. and Collins, right? You figure they would... Uh Yes, yeah. The two of them would, would stand up. But, uh, again, you know what happens is they lose their chairmanships. They lose their uh, committees. They lose anything that uh, a- anything that they could hope for uh, because they'll shut them down. It's, you know, it, it's it's right. terrible politics. It's terrible politics. And we, we shut down independent thought that way. Everybody's got to fall in line. By the way, on both sides, the only one that's, that's uh, standing up, uh, unfortunately, in doing his own thing is Manchin. And uh, and he's the one that you would hope would go along with with the others on many things. I'm not saying everything, right? I'm an independent, but um, but you would hope that Mansion would fall into line and uh, and go along with the, with the, some of the things, and then you wouldn't have this problem. Right. Well, I'm hoping that. In fact, Manchin has said that uh, he would go along with altering the filibuster, which is the big uh, yeah right. hang up. Right. Uh, but, of course, not doing away with it. And he points out correctly that, that once we're in the minority again, we Democrats, um, we will need some way to block the terrible legislation that will be, uh, will be rushing through. And the terrible – well, of course, there's no way of stopping uh, uh, the Republicans from putting more, more judges through who are extreme right-wing um, – yep. uh, obscurantists uh, and we've already seen uh, some some of the effects of that uh, the uh, the courts some of them that are run by Trump appointed judges have uh, have blocked uh, intelligent things that had been oh for instance this uh, uh, this DACA business the dreamers yeah. um, uh, ruling that that is uh, unconstitutional that is a Trump appointee's ruling. Wow! So uh, what, what a sh- I could cry hearing that. You know, yes, I- it is a crime, absolutely. Because these young young people, I have taught them, uh, and they are very, very bright and very ambitious and willing to work and work for the good of of the uh, majority of people. Uh, they are not po- uh, policy bound or anything of the sort. They are just wonderful contributing members to our society. Yeah, and they should be treated as Americans and, and accepted as Americans. Yes, and with respect, indeed. Yeah. Wow. All right, well, listen, we have a long way to go. Things are getting, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but it would be foolish for us to be complacent in any ways. Just, uh, you know, and you, you, it would be impossible for you, Doc, to be, uh, to be complacent because of the state that you live in. It is a daily reminder of, uh, of, of the battle that, that you and your, your fellow Democrats have ahead of you. It is not a, uh, for sure. yeah, it, it, you cannot go to sleep on, on no. any of this. 
And and unfortunately, no. I think Democrats are going to stay home. I, I they they figured the boogeyman's dead and Trump and and he shows up or whatever. But um, and they have what they want. But I have a feeling it's going to be a big Republican year. Well, it may be, but I'm praying that it will not. Mm-hmm. And uh, I may be. I may be optimistic that we have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm praying. Yeah, well. Anyway, you got to be optimistic. You got to think positively. But anyway, doc, uh uh final thoughts on on plastics. Um are we getting are we getting better? Are we getting worse? Are we staying the same? Obviously, we've got to do much much better. But are things getting better? Uh, I haven't seen much. Wow. <laughs> at least at least we do have uh Biden uh, and Harris in uh, in the top two positions with enlightened ideas, with a cabinet of enlightened people. And so we hear about good things every so often that are being blocked, of course, totally at the moment. Um, but perhaps the one light that I, I can see is this uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill that is, uh, I think, uh, the... The vote to proceed to debate is supposed to be go- uh, going on today, is it not? Yes, it is, and I, I haven't followed up on it. I, I must say, right. but I, I will as soon as we hang up. I'll be, I'll be looking into it myself. But, uh, yes. Doc, yeah, keep your fingers uh, crossed. Uh, again, light at the end of the tunnel, but we're not done. We're we're not anywhere close to being done. But uh, no. there is light at the end of the tunnel. Let us let us hope. Yes. So to everyone out there, uh, please check out the documentary, buy the books, uh, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg, and uh, you've been listening to the Florence Weinberg Show. Uh, and uh, your books are written under, uh, under what, what's the name? What's the proper name? Not Dr. Uh, Florence Weinberg, right? Yes, Florence, well, the, uh, my fiction books are all under Florence Byam Weinberg or Florence B. Weinberg uh, because I decided to take my, my beloved father's name uh, in along with mine to honor him. Yeah. And uh, uh, so that's, that's my, uh, my pen name is Florence Byam Weinberg, and you will find me at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and so forth under that name. I think if you just put in Florence Weinberg, you would find me eventually. There are a number of us, Florence Weinbergs, in the country. There's a physician. There are all kinds of other people uh, named the same. So it's by no means a unique name. But putting Byam in the middle of it makes it unique. But you are by all means a unique person. And what a what a career still going strong. In fact, better than ever. Uh, just amazing. Uh, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg, thank you very much. Thank you, Frank. And to everyone out there, thank you. We know you have a lot of choices. Uh, we appreciate your your attention here. And if uh, whatever uh, outlet that you're listening to is fine, but if you're not happy with this outlet, uh, there's 120. Three others that you could choose from. Watch the documentary on Dr. Weinberg. Uh, again, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg has been your host, and you've been listening to The Florence Weinberg Show. I'm Frank McKay. We'll see you next time on The Florence Weinberg Show.